0: What is up, guys? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Bringing Grace to the Nation's Podcast. I am your humble and famous host, Victor, and I am so excited for today's episode. I just want to take a quick second and say thank you for all the support that we've been getting on the podcast. We are growing like crazy. We are still the number four podcast in Christianity in the world, and so that's a huge blessing. We are growing, and I'm so thankful for you guys sharing the podcast, getting it out there and just talking about it I'm getting emails and texts every day about new people finding the show people are sharing it on instagram and it is it's so cool so thank you guys if you haven't checked out our YouTube channel go check out the YouTube channel this vi- this podcast is a supplement to the video that I just posted I posted a video on Bible studies and I know we've done a lot of podcasts on Bible studies but I kind of want to expand a little bit on what I've talked about previously about Bible studies and then share with you a method that I've been using uh, that you can implement in your Bible studies to hopefully make them go a lot smoother and be hopefully a lot more fruitful in the end. And so if you haven't checked out the YouTube video, go check out the YouTube video. The links will be in the show notes. Make sure you subscribe and do all that fun stuff. Like comment, do all that stuff because it really helps us out. You can do your part, share the word, share the message, and we can continue to grow. So I do a Bible study. I do a Bible study. I call it the Chunk and Bunk Method. It's It was a name that was coined by my previous Bible study leader. I'll give you a little background. I was a part of what I consider to be the best Bible study to ever grace this fallen world. It was one of the best Bible studies. We did it Saturday night after church. And it was, we would just meet in my mentor's house and there was probably, it would range 15 to 60 people that would come together and we would just read a God's word and talk about it. And it was amazing. And we implemented this method that we just kind of made up over time called the chunk and bunk. And we would literally just pick a book of the Bible. We would chunk it into sizable, like readable portions, and then we would bunk it. We would dissect it. We would all talk about it. We would all dive into it. And ever since I have seen that in action, I've implemented it into my personal devotion time. And it's been amazing. And so the YouTube video really talks about how to do the chunk and bunk method and why it's important and how it can help you. And uh, ever since that Bible study has kind of faded away and it's kind of ended, but now you know, it's, it's fruit is still taking place in my life. And so the chunk and bunk method is really simple. You take a chapter of the Bible, you chunk it up. So you go, I usually go by headings and then you bunk it and you just dissect it. So for me, this process has changed over the years. I've Dove into a little bit more. I've kind of added on to what it was because it worked really well in a group setting, but I've kind of had to adapt it to a personal setting. And so I really want to encourage you. I'm going to walk you through the steps of what it looks like and what it is. And then I want to hear from you guys implement it for the, just the next week. Do this each day for the next week and then email me shoot me a message to let me know how it's been going for you because I really want to invest in your guys's life and I want to hear how things are going for you and so if these things are fruitful and help you that would be awesome to hear from you okay so the chunk and bunk method is really simple this is my revised and added edited version of it You read the chapter one, so I'm gonna use Romans one as my example. You read Romans one all the way through. You you do it really quick. You try and get the overall theme and gist of the passage and have a notebook out next to you and just write down like step one or initial read and just put a dash and I want you to write what you feel like the overall theme of that of the passage is. So Romans 1 talks a lot about, you know, it's Paul's introduction to Romans and then Paul goes in and he's talking about how he longs to go see the people of Rome so that he can give them a spiritual gift so he can go preach and teach them. Then he talks about Romans 1 16 and how the righteous will live by faith. We know that's, that's pulled from Habakkuk 2. And then he goes on to talk about unrighteousness and God. God's wrath towards unrighteousness. And so Romans 1 is a fantastic example. And so Read it through, you see all those subheadings and you get the gist and, and maybe write a sentence down of what it means or maybe pick the theme verse for Romans 1. So you read Romans 1 straight through and for me the theme verse of Romans 1 is probably Romans 16 and 17. That's where Paul is like for I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes first for the Jew and then to the Greek for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith as it is written the righteous shall live by faith. We know that that's is pulled from Habakkuk 2 and uh, Paul is using it in a new context here but I would say that that is kind of the that is kind of the crescendo that's the big hit that's that's the big punch that's the knockout blow here in Romans 1 and so my initial read I'm going to write that down for I am not ashamed of the gospel and that's I'm going to write that down next to my initial read and then after you've read through it once then you're going to go back and you're going to read through it again and th- you're going to read through it Full, like full length again, the full chapter. But this time go through and highlight in each section the things that stand out to you or the things that you want to study further. And so in Romans 1, actually verse 1, where Paul is like, I'm set apart for the gospel of God. I highlighted that. And that lets me know that I'm going to come back and study what it means to be set apart for the gospel of God. And you're just going to do that through the entire chapter. And you might highlight a ton. You might highlight almost every verse. You may only highlight one verse. It, it will vary depending on your understanding of the passage. But in your little notebook, write down questions you have, write down verse references that you want to go back and study further, write down maybe some themes that you see in each section. And that will kind of give you a better idea so that when you go through to dissect the the passage in depth, you'll know what to look for. And so go through the entire chapter Again, there now is where the bunking really starts to happen the chunking and the bunking. So, I usually do it by titles, not because that's some spiritual way of Paul breaking up his message. No, Paul didn't break up his message in subtitles, it's just one really long sentence. But, people through translation and the translators throughout time have kind of put in these subheadings to help us uh, break up the passage that we can understand it better in our language, and so. It's amazing that we have translators that can do that. And people are like, verse numbers are not necessary. Well, I tend to argue. I'm like, well, no, like they actually do help us, even though they weren't in the original manuscripts, Paul didn't write it verse one or chapter one, verse one. But I do think verse numbers help us understand and break up the passages so that we can comprehend it better. So I tend to break it up through subheadings and so the subheading is usually in Romans one, depending on what translation you use is different, but usually the first chunk would be, uh, verse 1 through 7, which is like Paul's greeting. So you're going to read that in depth, read it maybe once or twice, and you will have already hopefully highlighted something in that section. And that's going to allow you to go into your commentaries, or if you don't have commentaries, go online and Google. There are some awesome free resources, Bible Gateway. Matthew Henry's commentary is free on Bible Gateway. Blue Letter Bible is completely free, and it lets you dive into the original Greek and Hebrew of passages, which is an amazing resource. And you can do some extended study On some of these topics. So I highlighted set apart for the gospel of God. And so that means that I'm going into every resource and I am looking at what it means to be set apart for the gospel of God. I'm looking at cross references. I'm going to, uh, you know, Matthew where Jesus is giving the great commission, or I'm going to passages where the Holy Spirit is imparted on to the apostles, where they are being set apart. I'm going to where Jesus is calling the disciples initially in, in early chapters of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where he's calling the disciples to be set apart in fishers of men. And I'm going to these areas and I'm looking at what it means to be set apart for the gospel of God. And that means I might be fast forwarding through Romans because Romans, you know, you go to Romans six through 12, really, but more specifically eight through 12, you'll see kind of these themes of what it means to be set apart, right? Right. Your life is a living sacrifice. And so I'm really just diving into what it, what it means to be set apart for the gospel of God. And you could spend five minutes on that. You could spend two hours on that. What I'm saying is that you're taking time to, to step outside and, and, take a look at what scripture says as a whole on this theme that's called systematic theology and so do that in each chunk so the next chunk is longing to go to rome so i highlighted the verse 11 where where paul is like i want to impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you i know that that's talking about well paul wants to go and edify them he wants to preach and teach to the roman people but what does it mean to impart a spiritual gift okay well spiritual gifts let's go and then i start doing that kind of study And so do that for each chunk. Study the parts that you highlighted. And then, you know, studying for systematic theology and studying uh, for the sake of knowledge and understanding is fantastic, and we should do it. That's why I love this Bible study so much. But if we're not interacting with the scriptures, anticipating God to speak to us with an open heart, a devotional heart, a heart that longs for God to, to speak truth into our life, well, then we're doing something wrong. And so I like to kind of take the last 10 to 15 minutes just to kind of sit devotionally over the scriptures, pray through the scriptures. And so the last kind of chunk or the last section or last part of this chunk and bunk method is to just kind of sit, read through the passage completely one last time and just to thank God for the gospel themes that you see. And so that means that I'm kind of landing in verses 16 and 17 of chapter 1. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew and then also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So I'm sitting in that. I'm meditating on it. I am praying through that. I'm thanking God for his salvation. And I am communing with God my deep, my deep thankfulness, my deep appreciation for everything that he's done for me specifically. And so that's kind of how I like to end that. And then after I'm done reading, I'll go into my prayer time, which I do acts, which if you don't know what acts is, it's adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. And so I sit through that prayer and I just ask God to bring to the surface any sin that I really need to repent of because I feel like in our confessions, like we hardly confess things to God. And I've written on it before. I'll link it down in the show notes. But like being like repenting and confessing is one of the biggest blessings of Christianity. And I don't think we understand that. Like we act like confession is this like needed evil that is supposed like we're just supposed to cry and mourn over confessing And that's just not true. Like the fact that we can confess and repent of our sins is a blessing that we have been given when Christ died for us on the cross. He atoned for our sin so that we could repent. And so we need to kind of change our mindset of confession and repentance from this needed evil to a blessing that I want to take full advantage of. Because there's two types of forgiveness, right? You have the forgiveness that we receive when we become a Christian. All of our past, present, and future sins are atoned for. They were put on Christ's back. He died. And now he is our advocate on the right hand of God. That is the first type of forgiveness. You are seen as righteous. You are justified in Christ. The first type of forgiveness is justification. But that doesn't mean. That is like that judge forgiveness. That's the way I like to think of it. That is the judge deeming you free, right? That is God deeming you as free because Jesus took the punishment for you. But the second type of forgiveness is this idea of fatherly forgiveness, right? Where you are in a family and you have messed up. You have hurt that family. You have sinned. And this is you going to your dad and asking him to forgive you because you are upset by what you have done. You understand that what you have done has hurt the family, has hurt you, has hurt people around you, and you are asking God to forgive you. It is this act of fatherly forgiveness, an act of love. And the only reason we can ask God, our father, to forgive us in those moments is because we have Jesus as our advocate on the right hand of God. And so I kind of went on a rant there, but I just want to let you guys know that confession is a blessing, not a necessary evil. We need to rejoice in our confession. We need to rejoice in our repentance. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't mourn over our sin. Mourning over our sin is clear in the Old Testament where we see all of this lament uh, literature like pretty much. In all of it, especially in lamentations, you see it in Psalm 51 with David, right? Like David is mourning over his sin with uh, Bathsheba on the roof, right? When he should have been in war. Like David is grieving over his sin, but notice near the middle of the passage, kind of where his focus turns, the focus turns from Lord, forgive me of my sin. But then in verses, I think it's 13 and 14, I'm not 100% sure. David asks God to restore to him the joy of God's salvation so that sinners will return to God. Like the point of David's repentance, the point of David's confession was so that his people would return to God. He took joy in his repentance so that his people could come back to Jesus, to God. The point of his repentance was so others would come to know Jesus, would come to know God. And I think that idea plays a huge part in our repentance today. We, If we are living in active sin, and we are not finding our joy in the salvation that God has given us, then there is no way that the people we are actively ministering to are going to return to Christ. We need to find our joy in salvation because that's how other people are going to know that Jesus restores He brings back. He uh, gives ultimate joy, ultimate happiness. That's what the book Christian Hedonism, uh, Desiring God with John Piper is all about. And so in the Acts prayer, adoration, just, just sit in awe of God and what he's done for you. But then in confession, take time, confess your sins. He is faithful and just forgive you of all unrighteousness every ounce of unrighteousness, he will forgive you. And so confession, take that time. Thanksgiving, thank God for everything that he's done in your life. I like to break it up by day because I could go on and on and on forever. So I try to pick three or four things from that day that I saw God do, and I just thank him for those things. God, thank you for giving me a good budget for my youth ministry. God, thank you for bringing me into a pastoral position where I can serve kids in Raleigh, Durham. Lord, thank you for giving me an awesome church family that pours into my life. Lord, thank you for giving me a small group and just on and on and on and on. And then lastly, supplication. It's okay to ask God for things that we need. Like we all have needs and that's like, that's one, like God finds joy in supplying our needs. And God has brought glory by us finding our complete satisfaction in the things that he gives us. So like we can, we, like if we need money, like we can ask God to bless us financially and then through us spending that money that God has given us, he is glorified when we spend it wisely, right? or if we are in need of a new job, right? Or if we're in the need of a wisdom or if we're in the need of healing, like we can come to God and ask for those things, but we have to understand that we may not get them in the way that we expect. He may say no, he may say wait, he may say yes, but regardless of his answer, we are allowed to come to him and ask him for things. That's okay. I think that's a major misconception within Christian life. We can ask God for things, worldly things maybe like we don't need to find our joy in those things but if we need like hey god like i need healing i hurt myself my leg is hurt or my family is battling cancer god please heal us it's okay to ask for those things we just have to be open-minded and know that god may answer them differently than the way we ask. So supplication is the last part of the Acts prayer method. And so this chunk and bunk kind of Bible study method has been life changing for me. It is uh, God has used it to bring out gospel themes in every passage of scripture. Um, I can read Leviticus and see like the gospel. Like, that's, that's what this has really helped me do. It's helped me get a better understanding of theological ideas in the Bible. I've understood and my Christology has grown in my understanding of Christ's life, death, burial, and resurrection. My ecclesiology has grown. My understanding of the church and church discipline has grown. My idea of spiritual gifts and the Holy Spirit, pneumatology, soteriology, like my understanding of salvation has grown. And so I want to encourage you guys to really dive into this method of Bible study and let me know how it goes like let me know if I can help you anyway, because I do want to help you I want to give you the resources that will allow you to grow in your personal time with the Lord and I'm going to be honest with you guys if you guys are not attempting to spend daily time with the Lord your schedule needs to change if you are not able to carve out 10 to 15 minutes of your day or to to spend with the Lord, then you are doing something in your day that you should not be doing. Do not compromise your personal time with the Lord for supposed like ministry. Like, oh, like Lord, I'm not gonna spend time in the Bible today because I was serving. No, 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 no. Spend time with the Lord and then serve. Or like, I have, I just have so many kids in the house. I just don't have time to get in the Bible. Well, that means you gotta wake up a little earlier before the kids do. Spend time with the Lord. All right, that's we. Oh, we should find joy in us spending time with Him, guys. I say this in every video. Thank you so much. Not even video. This is podcast. See, I'm thinking YouTube brain. I'm sorry I talk so fast. I love talking on this stuff, and I try to get as much information out. I have a headache from talking so fast. So I'm gonna go take some Motrin or something. Wait, is Motrin even a thing anymore? I think it's all like ibuprofen now. I just get the 99 cent stuff from Walgreens. It's probably really bad for you. But college life, college income, you got to take what you can get. Guys, I say this in every podcast. Seriously, you are beautiful and you are one of a kind. Until next time, take care and God bless.